laugh, and the world laughs with you. Weep, and you weep alone. For the sad old earth must borrow its mirth, but has trouble enough of its own. Sing, and the hills will answer. Sigh, it is lost on the air. The echoes bound to a joyful sound. But shrink from voicing care, and rejoice, and men will seek you. Grieve, and they turn and go. They want full measure of all your pleasure, but they do not need your woe. Be glad, and your friends are many. Be sad, and you lose them all. There are none to decline your nectared wine, but alone you must drink life's gall and feast, and your halls are crowded. Fast, and the world goes by. And succeed and give, and it helps you live. But no man can help you die. And there is room in the halls of pleasure for a large and lordly train. But one by one we must all file on. Through the narrow aisles of pain, I wish that there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door. And never be put on again. I wish we could come on it all unaware, like the hunter who finds a lost trail. And I wish that the one whom our blindness had done, the greatest injustice of all, could be at the gates like an old friend that waits for the comrade he's gladdest to hail. And we would find all the things we intended to do, but forgot and remembered too late. Little praises unspoken, little promises broken, and all of the thousands and one little duties neglected that might have perfected the day for one less fortunate. It wouldn't be possible not to be kind in the land of beginning again. 
and the ones we misjudged and the ones whom we grudged. Their moments of victory here would find in the grasp of our loving handclasp more than penitent lips could explain. For what had been hardest we'd know had been best, and what had seemed loss would be gain. For there isn't a sting that will not take wing what we've faced it and laughed it away. And I think that the laughter is most what we were after in the land of beginning again. So I wish that there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all of our poor selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. Hello everyone, this is the J. Rolden Speaks Podcast. If you're new to this live, what we do here is we read poems, obviously, and I share some stories, you connect with them, you let me know how you're thinking about some of these poems, let me know what you're thinking in the comments, and we move on to the next poem. If this is your first time here, I want to ask you to get some AirPods, some earphones, because the experience is so much better, and it's just better all around. So, thank you so much for being here. This is going to be a great show tonight. This is episode 65, and if you didn't know this already, I have a podcast on Spotify, so after this live, I want you to go to the Spotify, and if you don't have that, download it. Look for me. It's The show is called J. Rolden Speaks. You'll see a profile picture of my face, and then you follow it rate the show let me know how i'm doing and if you have any requests put it in the comments and then we move on to do another recording there's some really great material on my spotify account i don't do all of them on here on the live on this tiktok so i just want to give a quick heads up to all of you that are new to this show and welcome 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 it is late night here in the u.s eastern coast and i am so looking forward to sharing some of these poems tonight i wanted to share some poems that were inspirational because well even though it's christmas season seems like everybody should be you know together with friends and family and that's great right so i just want to sort of like give a a quick little reminder to some of us that probably i know some of y'all are probably going through some hard times right now and so what better way to get some encouragement than from somebody that is actually, you know, in a good place, right? So I just want to give a word of encouragement to all of you that are going through some hard times. Stick around. I'm going to read some poems that are going to hopefully uplift you, maybe give you some strength, some inspiration, and, you know, just to hold on tight. I know this feeling of like sadness and, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling, heartache, whatever it is. Trust me, it's temporary. It, it'll go away. It'll pass. It won't. It doesn't seem like it right now, but hopefully with some of these poems, hopefully these will help you sort of cope with it, right? So I want to talk about friendship because friendship is, we take it for granted, honestly, right? Like how many of you actually have some really good friends out there, right? How many of you actually like thought about, hmm, when's the last time I contacted my friend, right? Maybe you don't really like to talk a lot. Maybe you don't like to text a lot. I'll give you a little secret, y'all. I don't really like to text a lot, <laughs> but I definitely will respond. 
and I just want to say, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, well, maybe you can reach out to a friend, right? Stir some courage, maybe go out and say, hey, buddy, I just was thinking about you and, you know, I just wanted to know how you're doing and hopefully everything's going well for you. But in any case, like, thanks for being my friend. Thanks for being there. I know I've probably been, you know, not the best friend you could hope for, but I just want to say thanks, right? So anyway, just some ideas here, okay? I'm just sharing some ideas. <laughs> I don't know how you, I don't know how close you are with your friends, but I certainly love my friends, right? And so I want to talk about that, right? Friendship. Okay, so here's something that I want you guys to sort of like practice with, you know, whenever it, whenever it comes to like analyzing poetry, whenever it comes to like listening to literature or just like words in general. Most of the time we come across words and we take them for granted. And what I mean by that is like we just like take it as face value because we've been taught that word. We've learned its definition. And well, what else is there to know about that word? But see, that's sort of like a sad, unfortunate thing that we do when we like come across words. And one of the reasons why I like poetry is because it makes me like realize that there's actually some like subtle words in the words that I'm reading. And a lot of times poets do that on purpose, right? Like they actually choose, they meticulously choose some specific words so that not only will you read it, but when you like think about it, when you analyze it, when you like actually put a lot of time and effort into understanding why that choice, why that word had to be in that specific line at that specific syllable at that specific time frame, right? In the, in the actual like measure of the, of the verse, then, well, a lot of times we don't do that a lot. And so poetry like helped me understand the value of words so that the next time I actually have a conversation with somebody, especially like my friends, I want them to like understand that, Hey, this word that I'm sharing you with right now, like I don't explain to this. <laughs> I don't tell them, Hey, look, what I'm about to say to you is something that I thought about for a long time. And here's the history of it. I don't do that. Right. But they know that when I share these words, they know that it's like significant, right? Because yeah, I do think about like my word choices. I do think about like what it is that I'm like sharing with them, what I'm, what it is that I'm saying to them. Right. So I want to encourage y'all to do the same whenever you actually listen to poems. So here's something that I would like for you to do. I want you to word, learn the word etymology. Okay. So the word is etymology. And what etymology is, is it's the study of the history of words, where words come from, how they came to be, which origin language it came from, how it was sort of like derived from other languages. And what you guys will learn is that like in words themselves, there's like little root words that actually give you a hint about like what it actually means. So here's one in Spanish that I would like for you guys to remember. So speaking of friends, right? So I'm sure all of you know the word for friends in Spanish, which is amigo, right? So amigo, what is that? Well, it means friends, but if you actually take it apart, right? If you actually look at like some of the root words in there, right? This is something that a lot of like Latinos actually don't really think about either actually. And so when you think about amigo, right? So the, the first three letters is A M I, right? Ami. Now, why is that significant? Because 
when you are saying amigo to somebody, right? When you call somebody amigo, you're telling them, hey, you're a mi amigo, right? Like, you're my friend. You're a friend towards me, right? Now, please, do, do not mistake this. This is not a self-centered, like, perspective of how to understand that word. What I'm trying to say, guys, is that when you build friendships with people, like like true, genuine, like strong friendships with people, with one another, you'll notice that some of those friends of yours actually have a reflection of you, right? There's some personality traits or some characteristic that really connects with you, right? Whatever that is. Maybe it's honor. Maybe it's like just telling it like, you know, telling the truth, maybe it's like, you know, being, you know, sarcastic, or maybe just being very obnoxious, I don't know, <laughs> you know, something, I don't know, something, something, right, and it doesn't even have to be personality traits, I mean, it could also be something like with, like, features, similar features, I'll tell you one thing, when I was growing up, I always, always, always connected with the foreign students, always, because I grew up overseas most of my young life. I grew up in Israel, I grew up in Syria, I grew up in Cyprus, and I was born in Thailand, but I I grew up in most in the Middle East most most of my young life. And so those are just some of the few countries there. But in every place that I lived in, especially when I came to North America, I always had like this like innate connection with like the 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 foreign guys, right? Like the, the ones that weren't from the states. Not that I, had, I didn't have a problem with, like, Americans or Canadians or whatever, North Americans in general. Or even, like, the, the Latinos, right? Like, I didn't really, like, have a problem with any of them. Just, I just felt more naturally inclined to connect with the ones that were, like, overseas, like, that weren't from North America. And, you know, I can't really explain why other than the fact that, like, I knew where they were from, right? So, like, one guy that I met when I first came to the States, he was from Yemen. And so I knew exactly where Yemen was and... Even though I never visited there, like I knew the the sort of like landscape because it's very similar to Saudi Arabia, which I visited, and also very similar to Qatar, which obviously where the World Cup just was hosted yesterday or a couple days ago, right? Which congratulations, Argentina, Argentino, and uh, felicidades para todos ustedes. Y bueno, por fin campeón del mundo después de 36 años, algo así. Así que una sensación muy irreal, así que felicidades a todos ustedes y espero que lo pasen bien y cuídense mucho cuando celebran. Así que un gran abrazo para ustedes y a la selección nacional, así que felicidades al tercer Copa Mundial de ustedes. Alright, so coming back to the word friend. So the word friend, once again, when you, whenever you like look at like actual words inside it, in Spanish, it means ami, right? Like amigo, right? <laughs> and so, once again, this is not a self-centered perspective. This is more about saying, hey, there's a reflection about me onto my friends, right? Like, like once again, I'm talking about true friends. I'm not just talking about, like, acquaintances. I'm not talking about, like, your neighbors. I'm not talking about, like, you know, people that you work with. Unless you consider some of those people that you work with to be, like, true friends, okay? But most of the time, you'll find out that there, there is... A very very like special connection and most of the time it's because you reflect you have a reflection with them right you have there's something about you that reflects from them 
And the same thing goes from their perspective as well, right? Like there's something about you that their personality is reflected in in you. And so they sort of reciprocate it, right? Like you reciprocate it back and forth, which is why I like the word amigo, right? Because it has that word ami, right? Hacia mi, which is means like towards me. And so in, uh, in, in, in English, you can't really get that same understanding, but once again, this is something that I, I like to do a lot of times with, you know, just words in general. And so this is all thanks to poetry. And once again, another benefit of why you should be reading poetry. And I just want to clarify, those of you who are like relatively new to this life, I don't like, I don't, I'm not a scholar of poetry. I don't read poetry like, like for a living. Although technically, since I've been doing these lives, I, I sort of feel like this is sort of like a, a side gig now. <laughs> so, so slowly it's becoming, you know, more of like a, an in, integral part of my, my life. But in any case, that's one technique, right? One technique. All right. When I think of friends, I think of not worrying. Here's the poem that I would like to read related to that. There's a town called Don't You Worry On the banks of River Smile Where the cheer up and be happy Blossom sweetly all the while Where the never grumble flower Blooms beside the fragrant try And they never give up and patience point Their faces to the sky In the valley of contentment, in the province of I will, you will find this lovely city at the foot of Nofrit Hill. There are thoroughfares delightful in this very charming town, and on every hand are shade trees named the very seldom frown. Rustic benches quite enticing, you'll find scattered here and there, and to each a vine is clinging. Call the frequent earnest prayer. Everybody there is happy and is singing all the while in the town of Don't You Worry on the banks of River Smile. That was The Town of Don't You Worry by Jay Bartlett. Isn't that a fantastic poem? It's so nice, right? I don't want to say it's cute because it's, it's not. It's more than that. It's like very sincere, right? Like I love that word, sincere, right? Just very, very genuine, very like just simple, but also playful, right? Like, like just in the first three lines of the poem, it says, there's a town called Don't You Worry on the banks of River Smile, right? Like, those aren't, like, real places, but maybe they are. 
where the cheer up and be happy blossom sweetly all the while with a never grumble flower. There's no flower like that. But maybe there is. Blooms beside the fragrant try. What? A fragrant try? What does that mean? Try. And they never give up in patience, point their faces to the sky. My goodness. Never give up in patience. Do you know how amazing and delicate it is to be patient? Like, we really, really, like, need to learn how to be patient, y'all. Like, seriously. Whatever your life is right now, I'm sure it's not pleasant. I'm sure you've gone through some really, really, like, just awful times. And are probably going through one right now. But if you learn to be patient, if you learn to dwell in good content, and I'm not talking about this, okay? I'm talking about, like, wholesome material. What are you reading at night? What are you reading during the day? What are you watching during your off times, your breaks? What are you getting yourself involved in? What are you consuming, right? Both physically and spiritually. What are you consuming? Those things really, really, like, dictate how patient or impatient you're going to be, okay? We live in a world of sensationalism. It's it's always existed, okay? It's always existed. But now that we have all of this new media, right? Social media, digital media, sensationalism is a very, very, like, strong component, right? I actually was reading a particular a book from a scholar. His name is uh, Andrew Darley. And he wrote a book about the spectacle, something called he calls surface play. And, you know, he was basically arguing that, like, basically all digital media, all new media is replacing all of the traditions of how we, like, consume entertainment. So before digital media existed, everything was in, like, books, magazines, newspapers, plays, right? Live music and other types of, like, sort of, like, physical presence of basically viewing and, and consuming entertainment. And so the three components that he argued was from, from that original style, right? From that style, sorry, from that practice was meaning, narrative, and I'm trying to throw, I remember trying to remember the third one. So meaning, narrative, and representation. So meaning, narrative, and representation. Those are the three most important components of consuming material that's non-digital, okay? But now that we have the digital era, right? Now we see like all these videos and like we watch movies and consume music through, you know, like apps and, and streaming and other forms. So now all of that has been replaced with sensationalism with what was the third one it was oh i forgot the last two so sorry i just read it like an hour ago or two i'll try to, I, i'm sure it's going to click here in just in just a few minutes but but sensationalism was was a, a, a huge component by the way 
Okay. And by the way, he didn't really come up with that idea. It would it, that sort of started with a his name is um, so sorry. I'm starting to get my scholars mixed up here. Uh, Society of the Spectacle. Who wrote that? Society of the Spectacle. I gotta look this up, y'all. Sorry, so sorry. Guy Debord. Oh my goodness. Yes. So Guy Debord is a philosopher. And actually, he's a Marxist as well. So I don't know if you guys are into that, but I just want to clarify. I'm not. I just I'm a scholar. So I like to read this material, even if I don't agree with it. But his name is Guy Debord, and he actually wrote a book in 1967 that is titled The Society of the Spectacle. And so even before digital media existed, Guy Debord predicted basically that like all of culture, all of global culture was going to go towards the spectacle so basically like we were just going to be like consuming things and never be part of like creating things or at least rarely okay and you only leave the creation up to the elites basically people who already had that standard who were already in that position and so the rest of us basically become like these consumers right we just become like whoever whatever whoever makes something we just like consume it right we we watch it we listen to it we you know just in and, and, and quote unquote enjoy it, but superficially enjoy it. And so Andrew Darley like took that idea and tried to apply it in today's concept. And so he didn't really come up with like this idea. It came from Guy Debord. And once again, Guy Debord was a Marxist, and so he was very, very kind of like anti-capitalism. And so he was worried that like basically people were going to create businesses, right? Be, especially entertainment solely for the purpose of monetary gain and so when and, and in his argument he was trying to say that like the more that progressed then the more your morality lowers right so that's that's one of the things about like marxism i mean yes it is anti-capitalism but it does bring about the idea of like morality right like this is something that not not all Marxists agree, but Guy Debord was one of the few that actually wanted to raise awareness of the importance of having morality, right? So, like, if you are in a culture, in a society that is, like, constantly trying to push the envelope of what is considered entertainment, can you imagine what it means to, like, actually, like, create an entertainment solely for the purpose of making money? Here's an example, guys. And actually, I'm actually currently studying this because I'm going to be presenting a research paper in Texas uh, a little, next year. Like in anyway, in a, in a few months. <laughs> and I'm actually like looking into this this practice that's currently happening right now. Okay, especially on TikTok. It's called interactive sleeping. Okay, it is so weird, y'all. I got to share this with you all. <laughs> it is so weird. Basically. There are people there are like they act they, they set up a camera okay and and using a couple of, of programs they basically like uh, they 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 program where according to whatever person donates money so so if a person donates like a dollar or like five dollars or ten dollars or fifty dollars or a hundred dollars it triggers a particular like like sensation in the room so. Whoever sets up this interactive sleeping, basically, program, okay? Basically, you have a host, and he's slipping on a bed. And then he 
basically like requires people okay if that and, and he has like a billboard in the background okay or sometimes it'll be like a pop-up screen and then on the screen it'll say okay look for one dollar this will trigger a honking noise so basically if somebody donates a dollar it'll trigger the computer to make a honking sound effect and then the person that's quote unquote sleeping will like wake up and be annoyed right like so they're they're acting right but but once again so that's like one dollar and then if it goes to like five dollars somebody donates five dollars then like the annoyance is even greater sometimes it'll be like like a huge loud obnoxious just like i don't know like a bunch of trombones or something like that playing at the same time just really awful sounds so that'll be five bucks and then the next one is like fifty dollars or a hundred dollars and if it goes to that it like makes the entire room like just flicker in lights and like all kinds of weird noises it's just really strange y'all but that's what sensationalism is and that's what guy de borg actually was warning against because once again they are pushing the envelope of what is considered entertainment and so if you're doing it solely for money can you understand how that sort of like also decreases the standard of like etiquette of of actually morality now don't get me wrong like the interactive sleeping isn't like wrong okay there's nothing like filthy about it per se but it is strange it is awkward because basically like you're disrupting somebody's sleep pattern for the sake uh, for this for the purpose of entertainment right you, in other words you are purposely paying to annoy somebody right knowingly annoy them and the host is willful is willing to be annoyed because that's how he wants to make money right he or she wants to make money do you understand so like here's by the way i need to declare this once again that idea has not been started now okay this sensationalism and spectacle has been started for decades which is why guy de borg actually wanted to talk about it okay it didn't start in the 60s. It didn't start in the 50s. It didn't start in the 40s. It started way before that, right? You can even go back to the gladiator times, right? During the Roman Empire, right? I mean, there was gladiator games for the sheer entertainment factor. You understand? This has always been in existence. It's not just now. It's not because of digital media. So those of those people that make that argument that, oh yeah, it's all digital media's fault. No, <laughs> it's human beings fault. Okay, human beings have a really, really like nasty nature when they don't have a good moral standard. And and let's let's be real, y'all. We don't. Okay, we like to think that we do because we all are. Ba you know, we were all once infants. And who wants to accuse an infant of being like guilty of something wrong? Nobody, right? That's that's stupid. Like that's irrational. How can you like actually like <laughs> culprit a, a, a child? Of course not. But through the years, we learn these things and then we start like formulating our own sort of moral code. And then what we realize later that, oh, man, I actually don't really have a good like moral code because I'm cutting corners. I'm twisting sort of like certain things. Right. Like I may not. By the way, something that I learned here in the States when I came just to prove the point here is something somebody taught me. Somebody defined once what a white lie was. And when they told me that, I was like. Okay, so that's a lie. And they were like, no, 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 it's a white lie. You're not really lying. Okay. No, and then I was just like confused because look, no, you are like telling somebody something 
that isn't entirely true and so you're just trying to like protect them right because you don't want to you know you you want to like keep them safe so to speak right like for example if there's like a a terrible invasion outside right and you're living with like children of course you don't want to say hey guys we gotta there's aliens outside right like so you're gonna do a white lie right you're gonna say hey you know everything's okay everything's okay when in reality it's not <laughs> okay so but then i was like confused because you're that's not that a white lie is still a lie it's it's what it, you can define it however you want but it's still a while it's still a lie right and so that's what i mean guys is that like we're willing to bend certain moral codes for certain like objectives right certain results and so that's what like the spectacle also tries to do as well right the sensationalism right the entertainment factor all of these are have been in practice for a long 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 time so why am i sharing all this Because no matter what's going on, no matter what the situation is, no matter what job you have, no matter what promotions you are getting, no matter what accomplishments you've achieved, no matter what house you live in, no matter what vehicle you drive, in the end, how are you spending your time with your family? How are you spending your time with your friends? I've met some of the most humble people in the world that barely have anything. And this happened in Damascus, actually. My mother and I went to Eastern Damascus our western side of Damascus, outside the city. And there's this really, really beautiful region that has a lot of apple farms. Anyway, there's a family, a farmer, that works for another farmer. He's basically a foreman. And he and his family of seven kids all lived in the same shack, basically, okay? It was a shack. And I can't remember how my mother met them. But when I went with her that day, this family was so, so kind-hearted. They invited my mother and I into their house. And without even saying a word, they made her and me sit down on their floor, which had carpet under, underneath, okay? Arabian carpet, okay? Which is really good, by the way. <laughs> and as we sat down, they served both of us tea because Arabs really love tea, okay? Like, like it's, it, it's called chai, okay? And they serve it really, really, like, in these little tiny, thin, tall, cups okay and i when i say tall i mean it's like it's, it looks like a shot glass really but i mean it has like a little bit of curvature in it and then they served us tea and then i kid you not in comes in one of the kids okay 
it was one of the daughters and she had this huge like tray of rice and had like almonds in it and like other things in it it was so good and and they were serving it to us you know and then like and then out came like the one of the main courses which is a, a shishtauk which is basically like chicken okay and, it, and it's grilled and they served that to us first right come on man you know i was i was like 10 years old 11 years old around there and i remember that i remember that to this day just how kind they were you know this family of seven seven kids plus the parents right the mom and the dad living in this little shack barely any windows by the way right and they had a bathroom that you had to go outside in that outhouse basically and every single one of these kids were so happy to see us there at least they made me play with them you know <laughs> it was like who's this little latino kid you know <laughs> You see, there's something about friendship and family, right? Friendship and family actually co like they go together. There's there's almost like no difference other than the fact that like you are subcategorizing people in the family and in the friendship. So for what I mean by that is like, okay, a family has, you know, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, a mom, a dad, right? Like, that's what I mean by subcategorizing. And then friends go the same thing, right? So, like, you have, like, colleagues, neighbors, or childhood friends. And, you know, what's interesting is that, like, you can actually cross-reference, which means, like, your cousins can be your friends, right? Your aunts can be your friends. Your uncles can be your friends. Your mom and dad could be your friends, right? Your brother or sister can be your friends, right? That's why, like, friends friendship and, and family go together really well there's only subcategories and subcategories subcategories in them that differentiate one from the other right like you can know, so you can know like who's family and who isn't but they're still your friends so maybe they might be not be blood related but damn man there's like a really intricate connection between y'all You know? Which reminds me of this one friend that I had. And I pray to God that he listens to this one day. His name is Rodrigo Mondaca. When I lived in South America, after the year after my mother passed away. He was one of the only non-family friends that I had. And he actually was really, really close friends with one of my cousins. And that cousin was super close to me. And I loved and I love him. And I and I still do. But Mondaka was a guy that, like, I really connected with. He was older than me, 
but he never made me feel like I was this sort of like annoyed, annoying, like young guy, young kid, you know? He actually showed me like how to play something that we call baby football, which means like baby soccer. I know that sounds a little weird, but it, that's how we that's how we call like street ball. Like here in the States, like whenever somebody plays basketball, like in, in, a, in a just some random court outside, people play street ball. Right. So in Chile, we have something similar for soccer, which is, you know, baby football. Anyway, he was one of the few guys that like showed me the ropes and like, you know, he introduced me to his his barrio. Barrio means like his his neighborhood, and it's a rough neighborhood. Okay, neighbor barrio is like it has all kinds of connotations to it. I mean, it, it means exactly what it means. It means neighborhood, but it also has like a neighbor like like you don't want to be. Let me let me just say it like this: you don't want to be walking in a barrio. 10 or 11 o'clock at night maybe even 9 o'clock at night because you will get mugged okay and that's not a stereotype that actually happens if you're wearing any like jewelry on you y'all especially if you're ladies yeah that's gonna be gone it's not pleasant but Mondaka he lived in that barrio and he really like sort of took me under his wing and like just like made me feel welcome and introduced me to some of his friends and so you know here was this by the way i need to declare this i'm like super white for latino <laughs> i just want to let everybody know because like most of my family even my brothers and and most of my aunts and uncles are they're very dark very very dark skinned and so yeah i was very white you know and so like here's this white kid in this barrio it's like yeah i'm gonna definitely get mugged you know Especially if I have nice shoes on, man, that's gonna be good. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Mondaka was basically like protecting me, you know, unnecessarily. You know, I mean, he didn't want anything from my family. He just wanted to be friends. He just liked somebody that was different. And it wasn't until years later that I realized, like why and I asked him one day and he was like well you owe me you always he told me he was like you always you always made me feel special because I felt different and I scratched my head when he said that I was like you different you grew up here man what are you talking about he was like yeah but I mean we might look the same here but we don't all think alike. We might talk similar, but we definitely don't have the same intentions. And then what he was referring to is that he had a good moral standard. He followed and nourished his spirit with good content, with good things. And so he was learning to develop a good moral standard, moral code. Which a lot of his, as a lot of his, I'm, I'm, I'm careful with saying this, with this, but with a lot of his friends from his barrio, didn't really have, because all they wanted was money. Right? How to make more money? How to make money? Right? Who are we gonna rob tonight? What are we gonna steal tonight? And no, once again, this is not a stereotype. You can ask anybody that's from Latin America, 
even people from Brazil understand this, right? Like there's there's their favelas are notorious for all kinds of criminal activity. It's so bad there, by the way, that the police won't even enter them. If somebody steals something from you and they run to the favelas, you best you best be saying goodbye to that whatever they stole because you're never gonna get it back. Because the police won't go into a favelas ever. So Mondaka was a cool guy, a good friend. He didn't need to be. He just really wanted to bond. And for and so for that entire year, that entire year, he just made me feel welcome, you know? Anytime he had an idea or wanted to hang out, he would always like call and say, Hey, we're gonna be I'm gonna be doing this, you wanna come? You know, and And of course, my own cousins and my own family, my own aunts were like cool with it, you know, because they knew who Mondaka, Mondaka was and they felt safe with him. And so, yeah, I felt like I could trust him, you know, and I did. So him and some of my cousins, we actually formed a really special friendship. And our friendship was so special, so strong. Guess what we did? We started a band. <laughs> yeah. Like, music band. I played the drums. Montaka played the keyboards. One of my cousins played guitar. The other one played bass. And... Actually, one of them is, sorry, there's another friend that I didn't talk about. His name is Samuel. He was much, much older than me. And Samuel actually became, eventually became a brother-in-law to one of my brothers. Because, well, obviously, my brother married his sister. So, so we became pretty good friends <laughs> because of that, right? Almost family-like. And I remember those gigs that we played. We just played in like small towns around there. And every time we played at these like small little like churches and like these little parks and stuff, you know, it was it was fun, you know. I was I was 16 at the time. And it was just so so such a special moment, right? Such a special moment. And I remember I remember I remember this one gig that we did. We were playing this one song, and I was playing, and I was in, in the middle of the, the beat, and I remember looking at everybody's face, like for real, I, would, I remember looking at everybody's face, and I remember like seeing like they were all like into it, they all concentrated on their instruments. And I, I, at that time, I, I just was so fluid with the beat that, like, it didn't really, like, I just, it just naturally, like, I just naturally played it. Anyway, so I could, like, basically, like, just 
enjoy like this moment like this friendship here you know this is like i i almost want to say it's like the epitome of our friendship right now you know <laughs> and then i left i came here to north america to finish my studies And I just never stayed in contact with Mondaka or a lot of my cousins, actually. But one of the coolest things about friendship is that if you truly are deep-rooted friends, it doesn't matter how many years pass, it doesn't matter what things have happened, even if there was a disagreement, which we had plenty, by the way, it just takes this one phone call to basically rekindle that friendship one more time. Just recently, actually, I had a cousin that just called me, actually, and he said that he was going to come up here with his family to visit. And so, you know, I hadn't talked to him in like, must have been like nine months, you know, not entirely a year, but it was, must have been, a, it was a long time. And it was, you know, I, I just, I felt bad that I didn't like call him more often, but I was so happy that he called, you know, and I remember telling him, hey, thanks for calling, you know, and I was speaking to him in Spanish. And that's how friendship Really, like, the establishment of friendship, that's that's the beauty of friendship, right? Like, having that foundation of, like, no matter what goes on. You're intricate, intricately connected. Right? Fry end. Right? Friend. There's almost a bond. infinite an infinite bond right there's almost no end which leads me to my final point tonight how many of you actually truly desire a friendship with your companion Right? With your spouse, with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, with your partner, you know, whatever. Like, how many of you actually desire a true friendship with that one guy or that one girl? You know, let me share this, guys. Let me, I, this is going to be so good to talk about real quick. And, and I promise I'll get back to the poems here. But I want to share this real quick. There's this fictional, science fiction story. And I'm sure some of you have probably seen it. But if you haven't, you absolutely need to see this story. And it was actually a novel first. But I must confess, I actually saw the film before I read the novel because it was that good. 
<laughs> because I mean, I didn't know that this this novel existed, and you know, I just I have other articles I need to read for my own research, so I don't really have a lot of time to like read recreational novels. But <clears throat> excuse me. So it's a uh, the name of the novel, okay, the name of the film actually is called Passengers. And it was written by John Spaths, something like that, Spaths, Spaths, something like that. And the film version stars Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Platt. Okay, sorry, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt, it's late. Anyway, I don't want to spoil the entire film for you, but it's basically about a spaceship that is hosting that is basically transporting a bunch of human beings from earth and they all volunteered to go and colonize a new world okay a new earth basically and it's and it's in a different galaxy and the journey is going to take basically like a hundred years around there but something happens and there's a malfunction and so all of the hibernation pods right so all the pods that were basically hosting and, and hibernating human beings right one of them malfunctions and so the main character who's played by Chris Pratt he wakes up from his pod and he doesn't really understand like why or what happened and so at first like he thinks it's cool that he's the only one that is awake in the entire ship so he like you know basically has fun and like just you know does all the things that you would want to do while nobody's watching if you know what i mean <laughs> and so you know he has a lot of fun and then all of a sudden like he starts realizing uh oh i'm alone now what And then he makes probably the most, forgive me for saying this, but like the most ballsy like decision a, a guy could ever take. He contemplates whether or not he should wake up someone that could be a companion to him so that he doesn't have to live the rest of his life alone. And by the way, before he even comes to that decision, he actually contemplated suicide. He was all by himself for a year before he even like thought about maybe waking up another human being. And he tried to end his life, but at every time he tried, he just couldn't go through with it, you know? Something in him, like, just told him not to do it. We don't really get to know Chris Pratt's bio that much. We just know that he's an engineer and that he's just really kind. But most people that watch the film, you sort of get the sensation that he's, like, a really good man. Like, a, a truly a good man. You know, he came from, like... Just really a good upbringing, you know, just just a really good guy. But of course, 
he has to cross this line of like, do I wake up another human being and potentially like stop their life? Because here's sort of the the the, the, the dilemma. Now that he, now that he's awake, he can't be go back and hibernate again. It just doesn't work like that. Okay, I mean it's a science fiction film. Okay, so it's not real, but. That's the problem. He can't go back to sleep because his pod doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So he won't be able to reach the new world. He's going to live and die on that ship, basically. And so the decision here is like, does he wake up another human being without their consent? And yet, basically bring them to their doom, which is to live and die on that ship, just like him. Man. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but the point I want to make here, guys, is that friendship has a very powerful, very powerful way of truly connecting people and especially when it becomes between a man and a woman right like like i'm talking about like companionship right like like true true companionship right like intimacy and all these other things right like there's something really great about the relationship that you have with your companion with your spouse that it's based on this like solid like friendship right like like you almost want to, like, from a guy's perspective, you almost want to treat him like a bro, but 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 not at the same time, right? Like, no, no, no. I want my companion to be absolutely a woman, <laughs> but but she's gonna be like my bro too, right? Like, I know that sounds weird, but like, what I mean is like, like I'm gonna treat her like like she's a cool a cool gal, right? And like, you know, just like mess around and like say things that. I would normally say to you know with 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 my own brothers right like something like that right like basically i don't have to worry about like being filtered right i can just like say stuff and i know she'll and and i want her to be the same way as well right like i don't want her to worry about like saying the right things just say it right like just speak it. it's that's why that's why we're like friends right and so friendship companionship right this is where you start formulating a family And in many ways, this is how I talk to, like, my own flesh and blood. Right? And if I ever have the privilege of having a daughter, right? Like, you know, I'm gonna, obviously, obviously I'm gonna talk to her, like, very sweetly, right? Like, like, like a dad, right? But then when she gets old enough, right? Like, I'm gonna talk to her, like, like she's my little bro, like my little buddy, right? <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be fun. So, to all the good friends out there, if you can't be a pine on top of the hill, be a shrub or a scrub in the valley.
but be the best little scrub by the side of the rill. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. And if you can't, can't be a bush, be a bit of the grass. And some highway happier make. And if you can't be a muskie, then just be a bass. But the liveliest bass in the lake. We can't all be captains, and, we c and we've got to be the crew. There's something for all of us here. There's big work to do, and there's lesser to do. And the task you must do is the near. And if you can't be a highway, then just be a trail. And if you can't be the sun, then be the star. It isn't by size that you win or fail. Be the best of whatever you are. This is how a friend should talk to another friend. If you can't achieve certain things in your life, then achieve other things. Some of us get so caught up in material that we truly think that like our life isn't going to function properly without that thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Those of you who are, you know, have these amazing jobs and like, you know, don't worry, don't have to worry about money, basically. Yeah, by all means, get whatever it is that you like. Do it right. That's amazing. That's a gift. You should absolutely like enjoy that gift, truly. And I mean that with like all sincerity here. But the point I want to make here is like some of us that aren't in that stage we have to be a little bit more diligent with money, right? Like like what we spend it on. When I was younger, I used to just waste way too much time trying to figure out like what sort of car I should buy. You know, especially when I started making money and, and I was always good at like saving money, always good. And I remember this one time I was thinking like, oh man, do I get like do I get like a do I get like a Toyota? Do I get a Honda? You know, and like I was so caught up on like these little details, you know, and then I just like at this age I was just thinking like, man, I wasted so much time <laughs> because I needed something reliable. Really. Think about it. You just need something that's gonna get you from point A to point B. That's it. Who cares what it looks like, man? You know? Because in the end, like like somebody that's really caught up especially you know whoever you're interested in right if somebody's truly that like caught up in like that detail of whatever it is that you're driving and like equates it to your personality <laughs> trust me bro like that's a huge red flag and you're gonna be saving yourself way much more money 
<laughs> in the long run by not dating them. Right? We all know this story. Right? It's the same same goes with like physical beauty by the way. I know there's many of you like understand the point. Right? Beauty's gonna go away. It's it's fleeting. What's gonna be the central point of your relationship? It's gonna be your friendship. How do you talk to one another? How do you spend time with one another? How do you like hang out? Do you give each other five fives? Do you use chest pumps? <laughs> what is it that you do? Do you like just share stuff with each other without worrying about like what the other's gonna think? I know eventually, like at the beginning stages, it's not like that, but then eventually it does, right? And that's where it gets really, really sweet, really, really great, right? Really fun when you just like start like sharing things that it's like, bro, go to sleep. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, like, and then you start like just sharing, you know, creating things together, and it's it's fun, you know. And like, and you don't have to worry. Like, case in point, case in point. I was always self-conscious about dancing. Always self-conscious. And then I started like making videos of me like dancing to my own choreography that I had just like made up you know to songs that I really liked because I wanted a special friend of mine to like know that I'm comfortable and this is fun and I want you to check it out and see what you think I I, I want you to laugh but I also want you to think that it's cool too, right? It's like, hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but mainly just laugh. Because I want that special friend to have a strong friendship with me because in the end, that's what's going to sustain the relationship, right? That is the root. And like with all roots, right? It springs into something solid and magnificent that will withstand the toughest storms ever. You all know, want to know how wide and strong roots are and the trees that are around you? Look at the branches at the top, right? That width of the branches is also the same length of the roots. There's a parallel, right? Which is why, like, that's a great way to think about friendships, right? You want to have a parallel between two people that have grown and have shared and nourishing each other that no matter how you flip it, it's gonna be just as strong and no matter what the storms are, it'll withstand the craziest seasons. You ever wonder why in hurricanes, for example, there's always like, most of the houses will be knocked down, but a lot of the trees will still be up. You ever seen those pictures? 
It's, it's phenomenal. How is that possible? It's possible because it has strong roots. You know what I'm saying? All right. Here's a couple more poems and then we'll call it a night, y'all. And hopefully you are enjoying this. This is a episode 65, I think. And this is about friendships. All right. Listen to this one. Here we go. If you have a friend worth loving, love him. Yes, and let him know that you love him ere life's evening. Tinge his brow with sunset glow. Why should good words never be said? of a friend till he's dead. If you hear a song that thrills you, sung by any child of song, praise it. Do not let the singer wait deserved praises long. And why should one who thrills you in your heart, lack the joy you may impart. If you hear a prayer that moves you by its humble pleading tone, join it. Do not let the seeker bow before his God alone. Why should not your brother share the strength of two or three in prayer? If you see the hot tears falling from a brother's weeping eyes, share them. And by kindly sharing own our kinship in the skies, Why should anyone be glad when a brother's heart is sad? If a silvery laugh goes rippling through the sunshine on his face, share it. Tis the wise man saying for both grief and a joy, a place. There's health and goodness in the mirth in which an honest laugh has birth. If your work is made more easy by a friendly helping hand, say so. Speak out brave and truly ere the darkness veil the land. Should a brother workman dear falter for a word of cheer? 
Scatter thus your seeds of kindness, all enriching as you go, and leave them. Trust the harvest giver, and he will make each seed to grow. So until the happy end, your life shall never lack a friend. That's why you need to picture your friendship as a parallel, as a tree, as the image of a tree, the roots and its branches. You need to carry each other. If one is hurting, then help them cope with the hurt. You may not solve their problem, but at least you're there to parallel the issue so that they don't have to carry that weight alone. The entire root system of a tree has thousands of integral parts that if one of them were to exist by itself, okay, which will never happen, by the way. But if let's like hypothetically think that there's this mutant tree and one of the roots like starts like growing out into the distance, you know what's gonna happen to that root? It's gonna get saw, it's gonna get cut, it's gonna break, it's gonna get fragile. It's gonna dry up and basically die. That's what happens when you are alone and you try to carry it by yourself. You're not helping the entire tree here. That's why the top matches the bottom. And that's how you should approach your friendships, including your companions. Right? I want my future wife to know that I am always going to carry her. And I expect the same from her. I'm going to be ready for those days when it's just unbearable. Just way too much stuff that happened at work, right? All kinds of stress, all kinds of things that you need to accomplish, and maybe you didn't complete things on time or whatever. Social problems, right? Like issues between colleagues, right? Like one guy said this, one guy, one woman said this, blah, blah, blah. All these things. Maybe certain bills aren't getting paid, I don't know, right? Maybe there's some issues with the transportation, with the vehicles, I don't know, something. The worst thing you can do is try to figure out on your own. That's not a partnership, that's not a companionship, that's not a friendship. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to expect my wife to, like, fix the car. Of course not. <laughs> I'll definitely be more than happy to figure that out. But at least I can bounce some ideas off, right? Like, 
like she may not understand it right but then i could be like yeah you know what i need to like fix the coil right i need to fix the shock absorber and i get all these like lug nuts out right <laughs> and she just might be there like nodding her head it's like mm-hmm yeah that's what you gotta do <laughs> but you know what that's okay because like whenever she's going through some things I'm not gonna be able to understand all of it and it doesn't matter because it's just nice to have someone there to listen right that's the metaphor of the tree and friendships. Don't forget about that. All right. I'm going to read one more poem here and then I'm going to call it a night. So just bear with me just for a few minutes while I find the poem. Okay, I think I got it, y'all. <laughs> All right, let's give this a shot. If I knew you, Both of us could clearly see, and with an inner sight divine, the meaning of your heart and mine. I'm sure that we would differ less, and clasp our hands in friendliness. Our thoughts would pleasantly agree, if I knew you, and you knew me. If I knew you and you knew me, as each one knows his own self, we could look each other in the face and see therein a truer grace. Life has so many woes, so many thorns for every rose, the why of things our hearts would see. If I knew you, and you knew me. Whoever you end up pursuing, whoever ends up pursuing you, Try to be a friend first. Don't rush into things. Try to get that true companionship going.
if you ever find that you are making dorky things, and those of you who don't know what the word dork means, okay? <laughs> it's like awkward and also kind of nerdy, but also like fun and just like quirky. If you end up doing some dorky things with your potential companion there, right? Especially if like she or he calls you a dork. You're in the right path. Don't give up. Don't be worried. It's a good thing. <laughs> For real. Alright, y'all. This was fun. I hope you had a great time. I hope you are learning so much from these podcasts. If you don't know this already, I do have a podcast on Spotify. Some of my material doesn't come from TikTok. Some of it is strictly on Spotify. So I would encourage you to download Spotify and search for J. Rolden Speaks. You'll see a profile in my picture. I want you to rate the show, please. Let me know how I'm doing. If there's any sort of suggestions you have, then leave a voice message. Or you can also write to my email that's also posted on J. Rolden Speaks. And finally, if you have it in your heart to support the podcast, I would absolutely appreciate it y'all i can't tell you how much my current monthly subscribers have helped me and the objective of creating better shows better equipment better sound quality better music choices so all of this is like for my own expense but thankfully now that i have some monthly subscribers y'all are helping me so much and so i could definitely use a few more out there and so if you have it in your heart to support the podcast there's a link right underneath my profile picture and it'll actually say support this podcast. Just click on that link. It's super easy to set up and I'll get a notification that you have. And next time I see you on that list, I'll give you a shout out. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to my current supporters from the bottom of my heart. It's super helpful and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Have a great day.